Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good morning to you. Hi there, this is Patrick Timpone, and we are broadcasting live from the Texas Hill Country in the great state of Texas, where we are talking about seceding from the Union. So if you want to join the crowd, just come on down and we'll have a party. Uh, yeah, Florida's coming in, Oklahoma and Tennessee. It'll be great. Uh, if you'd like to be on the show, call and uh, talk to Dr. Bear Lando, our special guest this morning. They're all special, but he's a really cool guy. And we have no idea what we're going to talk about, but I know you'll have fun. So stick around. Call if you'd like. 888-663-6386. Email patrick, oneradionetwork.com. We're live here. It is the 26th of July uh, in the year of 2022. Tomorrow, uh, legendary investor Jim Rogers. I don't know if you've heard of Jim Rogers, but he's been around forever. He does very well at investing and has a whole uh, long history of just doing the right thing, uh, kind of a Jimmy Buffett type, big guy, uh, money, money guy. I mean, he's made a lot of bucks over the years, and he lives in Singapore, and maybe he knows something, but his children all know Mandarin. We'll ask him why that is, and to talk to him about gold, silver, oil, China, Russia, reserve currency with Russia and China that they're talking about, and stock market and good stuff. That'll be tomorrow. We're going to start an hour early because Mr. Rogers, Jim Rogers, is in Singapore, so it's a 13-hour difference, so it, it'll start at 10 o'clock his time, so we'll be on at 9 in the morning. Then Matthew Errett, who's one of the all-time great uh, researchers in the world of geopolitics, Good guy. He's on probably once every six weeks. And he is also going to be talking about China and Russia getting together and going to party down and seeing what they can do to, uh, well, well, whatever. I, in the uh, in his beautiful setting in up in the northwest of the world is Bear Paul Lando. Mr. Bear, do people call you Bear or Paul or Lando? Bear, but you can call me whatever you want. <laughs> call me what you want. Call me what you want. Good morning, Bear. How you doing? Good morning. Always good to see you, Patrick. Nice to see you. Boy, I don't know what you're doing, but boy, your little face looks good, Ben. What do you what do you what do you put baby oil on there? What do you what do you do? I mean you you um I don't see a crinkle I anywhere, a dude. Time in, <laughs> I spent a long time in makeup this morning. Is that right? Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah, I do makeup too. Yeah, do you do anything special for, I mean, you do so many good things for your body, which I guess it comes out in the skin, right? It just does. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I spend most of my time outside. Do you? Uh, which is why I'm a little pinky tan this time of year. Yeah. Uh, my day starts, uh, oh, it started about 5 o'clock this morning. Actually, 4.30, we had a bear dogging our chickens, so I had to go <laughs> yell at him. And... Uh, but I start uh, irrigation lines, yeah, about 5.30 in the morning because it gets pretty warm. We're in the Pacific Northwest, but it gets pretty hot. We're in a remote river canyon. Yeah. So uh, so I start early and then uh, work outside, come in usually about this time for a little morning break. So it works perfect for our talk. Yeah. So when I and invite you on. go back outside and work. Yeah, when I invite you on. In the afternoon, we jump in the river because we're usually pretty hot by then. Wow. So when you come on 8 o'clock your time, it kind of works for you because it's 10 o'clock our time. And your river yeah. is stunning. You wouldn't by any chance, maybe during a break, you could send us a little pic of some of your, your river, your land up there that we could show everybody? Do you have something on sure. your computer? Yeah. You're a geek. geek. Oh. Uh, you got something? 
Uh, yeah, uh, if we have a little break, I, sure. I can scrape something together. Yeah, and shoot it off to us. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. Um, you, you just you and your wife, right? So what do you do with all that food you, you grow? What do you do with it? Well, we have a uh, one individual who lives here and helps full time. Mm -hmm. uh, we have help that comes in a couple times uh, a week, you know, other than her. And we have, uh, you know, you can't see your neighbors. We're in an off-grid community. Uh, we're about 20, I don't know, 30 miles maybe away from the nearest power line. Wow. Uh, no, no cell service. I'm on a satellite now. And... Um, in this area, we have about 12 homesteads, and it's a really nice area. It's, it's uh, you know, everybody maintains their property, and so we all know each other, but we're all dispersed pretty far away from each other. Yeah. So to make a long story short, uh, we, we share all our stuff with... With everybody. Yeah, your little internet thing is stopped up a little bit. I think his little satellite just crossed over the sun. Let me make sure it's not me. Hmm. It oh, you, you're, you froze up there for a second. Yeah, I saw that uh, on my end. Was it Hopefully your end? Hopefully we're okay now. Was it your end? I have no idea. I'm going to check very, mine just to make sure. Easy. Yeah, let me just yeah. check mine to make sure. Are you on satellite? Have you, you, have you looked into Elon Musk, the Earthlink thing? Um, yes, as a matter of fact, I'm testing it out right now. And so far, the the speed and everything is off the charts better than the old company that I dealt with. I'm keeping the old company just good to make sure the Starlink works. And uh, make sure I don't wake up in the middle of the night with uh, Elon beaming things uh, straight right, into yeah. my brain, right? <laughs> he, he may he may do that to give you investment advice, you know, to buy a car or something like that. So so you on it now? <laughs> but uh, my geek said it works pretty good, and now I was going to get it, but then mine's been going so good that I didn't want to, you know, push my luck here. So I just said, okay, I passed on it. But my geek said it's pretty good stuff uh, so you so far so good yeah so far so good the problem we have too is we're surrounded uh you know by forests huh. and i we're in a little bowl where our farm is but there's huge old growth of you know fir and redwood and everything so so you got to get over the tips of those so i guess it uh it it's determined your reception by wherever the helium balloons are that's right some people call them satellites. Yeah, uh, well, we don't. We know better than that. <laughs> Tell folks what you're talking about because this is really interesting. I talk about this quite a bit because I'm a flat earther. Uh, so, so Elon Musk. Well, you tell him. What, what do you think's going on with these satellites? Well, I don't believe they're circling the planet. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the globe, as we have been told. Uh, I am not bashful about telling people that I am a globe, as we're told, skeptic. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're a flat plane floating in space somehow either. You know, that's how they um, disparage the uh, disparage the uh, flat earthers, just to make it look stupid. Oh, you but, mean so they put up uh, a, a flat earth thing saying <laughs> you're going around it, this? It, exactly. Uh, but mm. I believe uh, that we are in a technological realm of intelligent design. 
and a lot of my work uh, that goes back to ancient alchemy but is now updated through waveform physics really reveals that it is uh, a technological realm and there, there indeed is a higher intelligence behind it. And we all have quite a say as far as what goes on in this realm. A technological realm, could could that then incorporate you and I as spiritual beings creating this realm? It's coming through us, and we, we create it by what we believe? Absolutely. We're the, not only the capacitors on the ground that receive the resonance from the higher realms, but also we are capable of thought. And as a lot of people are starting to understand, we live in a thought-based universe because thought is the only progenitor in existence that creates electrical vectors. So every thought creates a polarization, which means it creates a resonance, just like when you pluck on a guitar string, it starts you know, vibrating, that creates a resonance between the two polarities. And then with our thought, given velocity by our emotional content at the astral plane, um, then that gives it all the characteristics along 18 dimensions of all waveforms, every single thought, to make it appear in the function and form that it does within the realm that we experience with our senses. And our senses, we have to remember, are also a fabrication of that same system so the senses are not as real as we think of them either but there are of course deeper senses that we can tap into that supersede the five senses and uh that's another story wow what a geek you are man i love this stuff uh bear paul Lando is with us if you'd like to join and he say what did you just what did you just say well email or call and we'll talk about it <laughs> so so you know this idea of Back to the, uh, what would you call it, a technological, would you say, what would you call it? A technological realm. Realm. So, yeah. so it would be similar then to the astral or the causal plane. This is just the same thing, but on a physical plane. Are those things also created by you and I as souls with spirit running through us? Well, we're, um, you know, if you understand old hermetic principles, the same design fractally uh, descends down the ladder and mm. creates every level of life. But we're talking about is different um, levels of ether. And of course, ether was conveniently taken out of our uh, scientism that I had to learn in medical school uh, <laughs> because it would actually teach you how things work and of course we need to be dumb in order to be controlled <laughs> so um, if you look at uh, go back to the the electrical vectors that we're talking about emanating from thought mm -hmm. if you can appreciate there is you know the creator whatever you want to call that you know that universal intelligence uh, the same forces are at work on a larger scale to create all the patterns in, um, you know, nature as we know it. And also, uh, the, if you understand waveform mechanics, then those electrical vectors um, go in two directions simultaneously. In one direction, they take data, information, no different than a computer, and they compact it, they compress it, 
into you know a stratified you know uh, descending matter so that that's what we uh, experience here on the ground but then simultaneously that information disperses and radiates back up and that creates what we call these days a toroidal field so that toroidal field is exactly what our realm is on a larger scale with all the universal patterns that then we get to use on an individual and collective basis to create our own toroidal fields which create our body create our experience create all of our uh you know institutions and and everything about us that we experience wow yeah i've been i've been uh, contemplating Oh, doodle, my goodness. That's my golden doodle. She just, hey, sweetie, why don't you lay down? You want to come over here and say hi? Um, I've been contemplating this a lot lately where I'm even kind of tightening the, 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 uh, uh, the image of uh, my, mind, body, soul, mind, body, where it's like in the final analysis Obviously, you and I are not the body, right? We we leave this we leave this earthly realm, and the body stays. And the, God knows, sometimes I guess you take the mind for a while. It depends on where you go, I guess. But um, but I I've been thinking quite a bit the last few weeks. It's interesting we're having this conversation that I am the body, right? As I sit here, and every thought, and every image, and every feeling that I experience, and especially those that I accept as real, right? You can jump in to a state of consciousness and say, no, it's, and it, it's over, right? It's just gone because it's only now. But that's in the body, isn't it? Because the body is a thought. The body is a creation of thought, right? It's a moment-by-moment projection. Projection, right. So in the, in the eternal now, it is just a projection of what you and I are thinking and believing and feeling now. And we've reversed the access of our being by um, thinking that we are the projection rather than the I am, which is the electronic body, the individualization of the creator that is pure electronic intelligence, you know, the sacred fire as they call it, which then is the go-between, the mediator between universal intelligence and the projection on the ground we call the body. So the more we wrap our minds around this, not just intellectually, but uh, with certain practices, start to experience that more firsthand, then that access starts to teeter and shift back again where, uh, you know, we start to appreciate that we are the projector, not the projection. We are the cause. Yes. And there's only one original cause, and that's us. Yes. <laughs> Even though, I know, you get a little, it gets a little geeky when you think about it like that, and I don't mean that from a, you know, um, hubris saying, oh, I'm the cause, you know, I, not like that, but maybe you can explain what, how we are the cause without being um, crazy. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> you know, and a lot of people say, oh, come on, how do you know? Well, you can't know with your senses. However, um, there is a wealth of information from Scripture, from old uh, 
texts, you know, centuries old, uh, the, the real science that has survived over the eons, uh, what we call alchemy, uh, through theosophy, anthroposophy, um, you know, all the original um, uh, schools of sacred knowledge, they all say the same thing. But some of them even give us practices that we mm. can uh, apply in medicine, agriculture, uh, laboratory science, and also inner experience that we're able to produce with certain practices that actually proves these things out. So if anybody like ourselves comes out and starts saying, well, this is kind of how it works, you know, of course, we can't see everything. On the other hand, we can validate and anybody can validate a lot of this in their own experience if they want to put out the effort. Yeah. And I think what you said is key in my experience for what it's worth is that the idea, the old saying, what is it, that spirituality must be caught and not taught. Um, you can yes. talk about this stuff, and it's great. And you know, like you go to a webinar or a seminar, and you go home, and then you forget about it. But my experience there is that I have to think about it a lot, contemplate it, understand it, and believe it. And you know, you kind of fake it till I make it kind of kind of idea. You know, you just keep. Tr Does that make sense? That that's all we can do, and that's <laughs> all we are doing. And, you know, of course, it's an adventure, and, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, that's that's the fun of it. And, you know, you talk about cause, the opposite of cause is victim. Victim, and isn't okay. It, <laughs> isn't it interesting that the controllers, the would-be controllers, have us, uh, you know, really, um, really into victim consciousness wherever we go, and in fact, the most esteemed class of people are victims, so um you know in 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 our new uh cosmogony yes, you know that you're trying to create here yeah so, so the, it's not arrogant it's not arrogant that was the word i was looking for yeah that was the word yeah. i'm looking for we're surviving and we're you know we're thriving because we've we've been blessed enough to get a little insight that we're not victims right mm -hmm. yeah and it's pretty arrogant to suggest that, um, you know, our job here is to screw up the creator's design. You know, if we're... <laughs> That's what I'm going to do my in, way. That's right. If we're instead, you know, and following universal design, that's the most uh, humble endeavor possible. And it's also the most empowering at the same time. Yeah. I can recall it was uh, in the early 80s I was in San Francisco on some adventure and I was leaning against a fence outside of a some Buddhist temple thing that I went in there to talk to some guy about God. I don't know what I was doing, you know. One of those things, you know, knock on the door, and, you know. <laughs> and, and I was sitting there on this fence kind of closing my eyes, just meditating, looking at thoughts and trying to figure out who I was. And, and I kept saying to myself, how is it? You know what I said? I kept saying, how is it? So what I wanted to know is, how is it? What's the truth? I mean, I want to see what it is. You know, how is it? And this was, for, I asked myself that question. And I've got to the point now, how would you, is it, it's not too arrogant to say, it, how is it is how we think it is, is what our state of consciousness is, is how it is. Is that fair? 
Well, that old saying, I think, therefore I am, you know, who was that, Goethe? Oh, no, Descartes. Um, yeah, there's some truth to that. It can be qualified a little bit also, but... Um, How would you qualify? Well, if uh, we are individuals capable of thought, therefore, you know, we are co-creators, yes. but there are, are, there are other kingdoms within nature uh, that do not uh, cognate the way we do, and they are still, you know, in existence. But I am, of course, suggests that we're um, self-conscious about our presence, you know, in a particular coordinate of consciousness. Right, but how is it for Bear and how is it for Patrick is totally unique, and how it is for both of us and all of our listeners, right? But somehow we're we're existing in the different realities at the same time and sometimes we choose to hang out together and interact and that's fun that's what it's all about but we're still our reality is still unique and it will always be unique right well, if you know, go back to the idea of the waveform okay. and uh, different dimensions on the waveform. I don't quite get the waveform thing. That's a little geeky for me. Maybe you can talk to us uh-huh. like we're a young child or a golden retriever and talk to us about <laughs> waveforms. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. I was just contemplating getting a golden retriever. Oh, the see, other day. there you go. That's a wonderful dogs. Yeah. Um. So. The mechanics, um, you know, if you understand, again, we're talking about an electrical vector. All we're talking about is the same thing that happens when you plug your toaster oven in. Mm-hmm. It's just a step-down, crude, dirty version of, you know, that more refined electricity that we produce with our thought. Okay. But if you look at a waveform, um, you know, we think, uh, you know, again, go back to the guitar string, you pluck it and it vibrates. In reality, it's creating a waveform. You know, in textbooks, we always see waveforms that, you know, just look like an up and down kind of wave. Mm-hmm. In uh, reality, it's a three-dimensional spiral. Ooh. And along that spiral, uh, okay, imagine, again, a musical note with an instrument. Depending what note you're plucking, depending what chord, you know, which might have different harmonics between the keynotes it's going to give different sound characteristics it's it's we experience these things all the time so when we produce thought and that thought is qualified by an idea something that we want to create even if it's just to get up out of the chair to go to the refrigerator you know that's creating an event every thought has a consequence Mm -hmm. uh some thoughts you know will maybe be put on a architectural uh you know piece of paper and then eventually produce a building but every thought uh along all these dimensions there's actually 18 of them uh will give it the characteristics based on the original idea and then based on the emotional content that is fueling the um the intention to bring that idea into manifestation and you know we're really feeling creatures we're really not thinking creatures even though thinking initiates the whole he he froze up again a little bit and everything and nothing's gonna 
Yeah, I really develop a lot of passion behind it and, you know, put some elbow grease uh, behind it on the ground, then, you know, then we're in, in business. Uh, I just froze up again. You're, you froze up a little bit. So it's the idea I think you were going where when we put feeling and belief and just uh, an expectation that this thought is going to manifest, that strengthens the, the, the waveforms or the vibrations. Uh, you know, properly understood, it would give it the velocity, the velocity to pick up steam as it goes through the ether levels. Now, the ether levels, if you want to think of thought, uh, you would think uh, more about the fire, you know, the first element. That's the volatile element that we can equate to the sacred fire that, you know, puts uh, those uh, forces in motion in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have a medium in order to carry that energy that from the fire. That's the second volatile level of what we call the ether in, uh, in traditional alchemy. And um, by the way, uh, the fire element, if we want to relate it to chemistry, that would be hydrogen. Hydrogen. If we want <laughs> hydrogen. Uh, because, you know, there's different levels of all these things. So you can be a contemporary scientist and actually start making sense out of this. And the <laughs> second level, which is the air, is uh, going to be nitrogen. Nitrogen is the purest form of substance that picks up all the information. And then there's a fermentation that creates is created in the ethers when it hits the next level, which is the oxygen level, and what we call the water element. That's why water is such a, a magical substance. Hmm. It's the transmitting utility that brings all of those forces down through the ethers into its final level of fixed elements on the ground, which is the carbon strata you know, the earth element, and then what we experience or what we think we experience in this realm. So you take those thought forms, you can relate them to traditional alchemy going through the ethers, because ether is nothing more than, uh, you know, say water in the ocean that transmits a wave. If you're out surfing, you can't, you know, a wave can't go from point A to point B unless it has something to travel through. Um, you know, ether is the substance that carries the thought forms all the way through and creates, uh, you know, its final fixed properties that we experience on the ground in all the three kingdoms. And then if you combine those elements uh, from the ether, uh, you know, we're looking at what fire, air, water, earth, uh, those are combined in ways to create three attributes, which in alchemy is our body, uh, you know, and all the corporeal things we experience on the ground, and we call that the salt in alchemy. Um, the individualized soul, which is more from the volatile elements, the first two layers, that's called the sulfur in alchemy. We do this with plant medicine and mineral medicine in the lab. And then, um, then you have the mercury, which is the mediator between heaven and earth, we could say, which is a combination of the fixed levels uh, below of the ether and the volatile elements above. But that creates the three attributes that you and I are made up of and that every kingdom, plant, mineral, and animal kingdoms are made up of, you know, within our realm. Whoa. Okay, so the, it's spirit manifesting itself in different, we call them hydrogen, oxygen, and all that, but it's still... God particles that are just 
the, the word made man, or the word, what's that term in the Bible? In The word made flesh, I guess, is what it is. Yeah. And then, of course, a famous gentleman uh, one time said, see no man after the flesh. And, of course, what he was trying to teach us is that, you know, the flesh is not who we are. We're the spirit behind the flesh. You know, um, and I know a lot of this sounds geeky to people that are hearing it for the first time, but it's really a, 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 an easy-to-comprehend system that explains everything. And it's way easier to comprehend once you understand the terminology and hear it a few times than all the, the garbage I had to learn in school, you know, in order to become a physician. Uh, you know, all of that is just discombobulated factoids that don't add up, but, you know, you're told it's the truth and shut up and just learn it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's why you have to go through years of, uh, you know, mind control education <laughs> you know in order to memorize all that garbage and then by the time you get out nothing works anyway and everybody keeps getting sicker yeah you mentioned uh, what the fire earth uh, water are they have five elements or four elements and i think in chinese medicine herbal medicine they work with these right like our friend brandon amalani has these different things fire uh, water what is it what are the five elements wood fire earth water metal metal so um, when we, for example, do herbs and we do different things like hydrogen and, you know, different herbs and you have a lot of great products and we'll, we'll talk about too. And we do those and we're working, do those work also on the spiritual, mental, emotional level, not just physical level? Do they have to always work on everything? You can't just work on physical, like even something like magnesium. Is that affecting... Soul, mind, mind, soul, mind, emotions as well. Well, it, it has to, you know. Huh. And then the first uh, principle in alchemy is that there's only one substance, and then from the substance comes the multiplications of all the parts that we think of our, as parts, but they aren't really parts. They aren't really parts. They're, they're one, right? It's just one. Yeah. yeah, it's just an appearance. However, uh, because our consciousness has the free will to create the appearance of parts Separate and them. the experience yeah. of parts, right. then, you know, of course, that's uh, the the beginning of all our problems and illnesses. <laughs> so uh, there That's where we went wrong, is, right? Is when we start separating yeah. them. Oh, well, you know, there's something wrong with yeah. my ankle, and I know it's my ankle, it's not me, or whatever, you know. <laughs> so, so, exactly. So there is a way to create medicines that um, have all three attributes in equal or different proportionate measure, depending what you're trying to do, of uh, sulfur, mm -hmm. mercury, mm -hmm. and uh, salt. And uh, every plant, every mineral that we make uh, medicines out of, uh, there's a way to isolate each of those parts with laboratory procedures, purify them, and then uh, and that elevates the activity into their pure... Uh, original nature and then put them back together that's going to have a much more powerful effect on the three parts of your being the other thing mm. um, that we have to understand is all the form just take our human body even yes sir is a pro it's a product of these three attributes and these three attributes if you understand how to look at a body or a plant or even a rock 
you'll see those three attributes in it. For instance, if you look at the cranium, mm-hmm. it's very solid. That is uh, what we call the neurological pole, and that represents the salt, the body of our human form. And the neurological pole then works in a polarity fashion with the metabolic pole, which is that other uh, aspect of our individualized soul that in alchemy we call sulfur. And they kind of bounce back and forth. The sulfur is more the the mid part of our body that gets a little less solid. It's where the heart, the lungs, it creates all the rhythms for the body. And things are a little bit more mobile. They can expand and contract and everything according to those rhythms. But then when you get out to our limbs, these are what uh, ambulate us. It's what allow us to move in our outer forms. That's the mercury. Hmm. That's the, you know, that's... uh, what is it, uh, Nike, you know, and, and Greek mythology, that's the mercury. And so the mercury, when you look at somebody's body, or say if they have an illness as a physician, uh, what I do is I understand things according to these three attributes and understand, uh, you know, where the problem is, what kind of problem it is, and you can very easily discern with a little practice exactly what's going on as far as an imbalance between those three attributes and then use medicines that are going to deliberately balance out the parts uh, that need the help the most. Wow. We're talking with Bear Paul Lando. Now, he's just not this handsome-looking fellow in the woods who, uh, you know, <laughs> ch- chases bears away from his dogs, but he's, he's been to more school than is allowed by law. He's been trained with biological terrain medicine, clinical kinesiology, Japanese meridian therapy, endobiogenics, God knows what that is, functional movement specialist, craniopathy, viscerant manipulation, chiropractic medicine. Uh, gee, man, did you, how long did you go to school, dude? What's up with that? You just kept going, right? <laughs> well, I'm still in school, and I'm in my 70s, so uh, still going. I feel, right? like I'm just, feel like I'm just starting to learn. You know, I got wow. into it uh, with sports, uh, basically, because I played sports at a high level, uh-huh. and, um, you know, went through college on athletic scholarships, and, uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to know more about the body, how to train properly, and then I got a little bit geeky. I started going to college you know uh libraries and uh-huh. you know then ended up in pre-med and all that kind of thing and uh so i i really came at medicine with the um with the mindset of a jock you know i just wanted to you know get the most out of my vehicle and uh, so i started you know where most people that don't know any better would start and that's in conventional so i did pre-med and then i did a certification at Stanford, and then I went to uh, hmm. naturopathic college. Huh? And, uh, you know, that's where I got introduced to classical homeopathy, Chinese medicine. Uh, but they were not licensing naturopaths back then. Uh, by this time, we're in the early 70s. And uh, so I went to chiropractic college just to get an alternative license because I couldn't work in the hospital anymore if I was doing alternative medicine. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's more in emergency services. Um, so anyway, that's that's a long story. But then from there, I did a lot of postdoctoral and uh, osteopathic techniques and, you know, and all the things you mentioned. Yeah. And But bioterrain medicine was the core because that's the old uh, 
European system that emanates from anthroposophy and the original, uh, you know, work of Bouchamp that disproved the germ theory long ago. And then that uh, 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 led into a lineage of people that developed microscopes, live cell, Gunther Enderlein, and uh, and then uh, Gaston Naissance. I studied with him. He's in Belgium. And uh, so I learned from that school, which is Bautrain medicine, which is there's no disease, there's no pathogens we call germs, you know, that cause disease. Uh, it's an ecosystem. And if there's a problem, you put the ecosystem back in balance rather than making war on all the things that, you know, are doing it to you, which again brings you back into victim consciousness. Well, you know, if you don't believe in germs, and you're obviously a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist, and you are a threat to this country. I just want you to know that. <laughs> and I'm very proud of that. I know you are. That's why I told you that. <laughs> wow. Okay, can you take a break? Can you? We want to take a break here? Yeah, see if you can... Gather up a couple pictures on your on your little computer there, and we show everybody where you live uh, while we do the I'll commercial. Okay. I okay. See what you can do. See what you can come up with. He's cool, man. Don't you love talking to this fellow? Uh, uh, Bear Paul Lando. His website is alphavedic.com. He's got some great uh, uh, products, and we'll tell you about those. If you care to join us, ask him a question. Uh, like, what's it all about, Alfie? You can ask him that. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com or triple eight. 663-6386. Uh, Bear mentioned uh, oxygen. It's one of our favorite things ever. I, I re- recall a, uh, an ancient book um, called Dialogues with the Masters, and it was by Paul Twitchell, who is the, the man who brought out Ekankar, my spiritual path, into physical reality. And this was book in the 60s, and... Uh, Reba Zartars is a spiritual master. His body, he's had it over 700 years. So if you don't think you can live a long time, talk to Reba He'll tell you how to do it. And he's a spiritual master that helps people all over the place in all different realities. And he was talking about uh, hydrogen as being the very first manifestation of divine spirit. The very first one. In the beginning was the word, and I guess then they did something, but hydrogen is one of the big ones, one of the first ones. He said that in the book, and I have that written down somewhere. But anyway, this is about hydrogen. If you like to get yourself some, and you can breathe it and make your own water, and it'll be fun. We believe by experience and the literature to back it up that distilled water bubbled with hydrogen is a very good way to go. George Wiseman is an authority on hydrogen. 98% of my fluid intake of all beverages have been distilled water that's been bubbled with the Browns gas. I am now younger uh, biologically than I was back then. This is why I'm saying that a lot of what happens with spring water, for example, is you get not only you might get the hydrogen, but you'll get minerals that are not necessarily bioavailable. A lot of places has excess calcium, for example. It ends up with calcium deposits in the body because you're getting too much calcium, even if it is bioavailable. Now that I've been inhaling the hydrogen, I find that I get my major nutrition, which is the hydrogen, calorie-free, So I was able to lose a few extra pounds. The cells won't regenerate. You won't have stem cells and that sort of thing Uh. if you haven't got enough hydrogen. Your cells have a certain life, and and they're shutting down. If they're not getting their hydrogen, they're literally dehydrating. That's where the word comes from. Dehydrate. Go figure. Dehydration. (laughs) Ah. Which is dehydrogen. Exactly. Whoa. 
Maybe you'd like to eat a little less food and stay hydrated. And we know how important hydration is. It's like key. The AquaQ machine bubbles hydrogen gas in your water and also breathe it in your body. 10% off promo. Actually, I'm going to interrupt you, Patrick. You talk show host good guy. It is now 20% off. Special deal. 20% off. And just go to oneradionetwork.com. Use promo code oneradio. Oneradio. You'll get 20% off on the AquaCare machine. Now, George, George's machine costs a bit more than most. However, and George has said this himself, he says there's a lot of great hydrogen machines out there. He believes he makes the best. He's been doing it probably longer than any of them. And he helps people that call him and say, how do you make, you know, he'll help anybody. He's really got a great consciousness about money and how that all works. He just, he just, does his thing and it all works out for him uh, because that's the way it works, right? Anyway, um, he, but he, he has put safety features into his machine that most they do not have. And hydrogen is a very, very powerful molecule or atom or whatever it is. You know, Bear will tell you what it is. I'm not geeky enough to know, but you can, uh, so you want to have a, a you know, want to make sure you have a machine that if it gets low or it gets high or whatever, it turns off, sounds an alarm. So they have some safety features that many of the machines do not. So you'll feel safe and happy doing this. I breathe as much as I can when I'm working on my screenplays down there and you can rebound and do exercise and with a 25-foot cannula. I really think, and think of it as a food. I get emails a lot and people say, well, will the hydrogen kill parasites? It doesn't kill anything. It, it just uh, is a food. You know, just like the stars eat hydrogen for breakfast, then um, it's, it's a food. And so, and uh, you, you'll eat less food too, probably. Anyway, check it out. Promo code One Radio, twenty percent off. Previously, with our friend Brandon Amalani of Shen Blossom. A good example of this also is like the Hoshuwu formula. Mm. That is, um, mm. that's a new one that came out. It's, it's really good because it's a blood builder. A lot of people don't understand that Hoshuwu is actually toxic if it's not prepared correctly. Um, so I wanted to come out with one that not only features the Hoshuwu as the king herb in the formula. But it's prepared of a minimum of 14 days. Usually we try and get 20, 21 days of cooking it. So you can think of it as like it's in a slow cooker with black beans. um, And it's basically just cooking down and deactivating some of those liver toxic compounds. So we do use that as like the bulk of the formula. But we basically put a lot of like mature ginseng root, like in our root extract. We have the fermented hydrolyzed pearl powder, reishi stem. And it's got Shudi Hong, which is like a Romania type family. We got both the prepared warm stuff and then the cool stuff to kind of balance it out in the sense so it doesn't become sticky. If you get a good quality Hoshiwu that's properly prepared, it definitely has some invigorating qualities to it and makes you feel relaxed, but yet fully vigorous and energized. Now, that's the kind of Hoshiwu that you would like, right? Really nice products, as you can hear. If you'd like to order Hoshiwu or the other products, click on Shen Blossom right there on the front page. OneRadioNetwork.com. Brandon's a really cool guy, Chinese medicine fellow. He's due to come back on, and he's just a just a real sweetheart. Anyway, um, and we've known Brandon since oh maybe 15 years ago when we first uh, came in contact with um, um, Daniel Vitalis, and he was doing some work with uh, Daniel Vitalis. So it's a good guy and a great, great, great company quick reminder that if you believe uh, in in uh, if you if, um, yeah food prices are going have you seen yeah go to the store and you'll see anyway 
uh, we think that inflation is here to stay for a long time because of the way we know and understand the monetary system. This whole thing with China and Russia and the BRICS nation doing their own reserve currency, and that's in the works. That could do some real strains on the dollar. We'll see. Who knows? And this could be that uh, inflation could even get higher. So if you want to get some gold and silver coins, I know Fred Deshevsky for 25 years. Fred used to be Andrew Goss's company partner, rather. His number is 800-878-2646. They only deal in numismatic coins, just real American money made at the mint. They don't do bricks or blocks or stuff like that. When you get rich and famous, well, then you can buy those from somebody else. But check it out, 800-878-2646. It's a great way to have gold and silver coins in your possession, and you just put them in your possession, bury them, or put in your underwear drawer, whatever you want to do, and and then, you know, if gold and silver goes up a lot or whatever, you'll be, you'll be glad you did. 800-878-2646. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Bear Paul Lando, Dr. Bear Paul Lando, a naturopathic doc and all kinds of cool things. Thank you so much for coming on the show this morning. I appreciate it, really do. Did you find a picture of your a place lot of up fun there? already? Huh? Um, no. You know, I was looking for some. Uh, you know, I've got a bunch of pictures that are on a, a different computer. I can you play a video? I uh, can like do two minutes. Sure, I can do a video. Whatever you got, pictures. Send me whatever you got. I'll put it up. No. Tell me how to do this. Just send it to Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Send a link. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, that's, even you could do that. Just an attachment, <laughs> like a, a, a MOV or whatever it is, a video. We can play it. Sure, baby. Our pictures, whatever you got. If you'd like to be on the show and ask a question or comment, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com, 888-663-6386. 888-663-6386. Talk more about uh, money and the dollar and uh, Russia and China tomorrow with legendary investor Jim Rogers and also um, Matthew Errett. He'll be on a little bit later, I think around noon or so. And uh, he has been doing a lot of research into China and Russia and what they were up to. You find something? Yeah, I put that in the chat. Um, uh, well, I've got it in. You got an email, though, because the chat thing. I, yeah, that's, I, I put. That's above my pay grade. I put you an email, too. I don't know how to do that. Let me see. You, oh, yeah, YouTube. You an email. YouTube. I can do this one easy. So what is this one? Tell me what we're going to do and I'll get it set up. You, you probably don't want to play the whole thing. It's, I think, I don't know how long, maybe two, three minutes. It's but only I three think minutes. Okay, it's a trailer for the, uh, the, the new documentary. But I think the first few seconds just has some scenery in it. That's the only thing I could think of offhand. Okay. Oh, yeah, because we want to mention that anyway. Well, go ahead and plug your this documentary so when they see it people can maybe go so, so people came out and they did, did a documentary on your place right yes they did wow that's so cool and where can people see this uh, they can see it on Iconics um, I'm getting another little thing here for you if that one doesn't work I got it but, already uh, I got yeah, it ready Iconics. to go Iconics 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 which is yeah. yeah, it's David Icke's uh, family, their, oh, their operation. That's cool. He is so cool. And 
they become good friends. Oh, great. I-C-K-O-N-I-C-S dot com. And it's called um, The Magic Magical Land. And you pay a few bucks and you can watch this uh, documentary, right? I'll show you the trailer. Let's watch the trailer here. Wait a minute. Let me start it again. Here it is. People are the rightful stewards of this plane. It's our job uh, not to just take care of it and leave it in better shape than you know when we came here, but also to make it more magnificent. I believe all of our problems have started as we've become more and more disconnected from nature. And there's a lot of talk these days about the biome, a living ecosystem inside of ourselves and somehow in communication with the biome of agriculture. From day one, I was always considered a bit of a troublemaker by my teachers and my parents. And you know, in hindsight, I think I understand that a little bit because there's something in me for whatever reason that just didn't want to conform. Uh, I was bored with the normal schooling and the way things were done. And I just always wanted to search uh, things out myself and make up my own mind. When I was nine years old, my mother was diagnosed with cancer, a very proud, energetic woman. And I watched her over a four year period, uh, just reduced to a shell of her former self. And of course she had adopted conventional medicine, chemo, nuclear, and, and so forth. It just basically destroyed her body. And uh, I can't help but believe that that had an impact on me that largely shaped uh, not just my career choice, but how I chose to practice my profession. We could see as the world of medicine went into more drugs, we felt like, no, we, we could see even back then that it needs to get back to balance, back to what nature provides for us. And so part of what we're, again, what we're doing here is to go back to the roots of mankind and, and its collaboration with Mother Earth. If you just observe, there's an absolutely breathtaking magic of symbiosis that occurs in the forest. It's uh, diversity at its best. It's funny, when I lived in Los Angeles, I never thought I would be someone who's practicing permaculture every day and planting my own seeds and have a greenhouse like this and having my kids grow their own food. It's so important and so much you can learn just from growing, farming, and observing. Then you'll know exactly how the body works as well. Wow. Really beautiful. Good job. Boy, you, you live in a, you're in a paradise there, brother. I tell you what, man. <laughs> Aren't you? That's, that's great. So that's called The Magical Land, and you, guy, you all can watch the whole thing if you choose to, and we'll, we'll play this again. I'll just close it out for a minute. Hold on a second. And it's at Iconics, David Ike's organization. That's cool. I didn't know David had his own little thing going there. Iconics. Let me stop it here. Okay. 
It's called I-C-K-O-N-I-C-S. David, what a cool guy. I mean, he was on this whole idea that how the body works and the mind and projection and hologram. I mean, like 30 years ago, right? He, he was yeah. on it. People just thought he was crazy as a loon, but he's not, no. Yeah, we used to put on events in the mid-90s where we would bring a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's more the pre-internet that uh, wasn't available to people back then. And we started doing some in the stateside here and we kept getting busted by the FBI because we're actually, you know, bringing too much truth out. So we moved them offshore, started having these uh, huge events where we bring four or 5,000 people in wow. from all over the world, you know, in, in uh, foreign jurisdictions. And David Icke was always one of our feature speakers back then. Him, G. Edward Griffin, uh, Ron Paul came out a couple times before he was a Republican. Yeah. You know, he's a original libertarian. So, yeah, we, uh, we've we been at it a while. And, and then as far as this lifestyle, living off-grid, my wife and my star- myself started in about 75 because we were seeing the handwriting on the wall then. Right. And we just didn't, uh, you know, we just didn't like living in cities. We're talking with Bear Paul Londo, Dr. Bear Paul Londo. And if you'd like to join us, uh, uh, email patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Also, uh you can call triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six. So, so you're you're totally off the grid. Uh, panels, mm-hmm. batteries. Um, I, I was off the grid twenty five years ago, and my batteries like went to heaven after about eight eight years, and I couldn't afford. I didn't have the budget to you know get the batteries, so the panels are still up there. But uh, what? Talk a bit about the the battery technology now. Uh, what kind of batteries are you using, and how how long are they going to last for you? Well, you, you know, you have the new lithiums that last a lot longer. They're yeah. like ultra expensive, but we have a battery bank, just the old fashioned ones, yeah. but it serves us fine. We have a, a really state of the art system. The batteries, we just choose for certain reasons to use the old school ones. Mm-hmm. And we replace them probably about every eight years eight or years. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, solar energy, it's good in that it does afford you um, some autonomy. On the other hand, it's it's kind of crude in its own way too. Yes, sir. Uh, there are much better technologies out there, and uh, we're actually working on some of those, and you know, working with people that are working uh, on more refined, uh, you know, levels of energy that are truly free. But Whoa. in the meantime, right now, you know, we've got some new panels. We've got all the the best inverter technology, and you know, yeah. we've got about sixteen batteries, which is enough to run our house here and uh and it's great because it does allow you to live out in the boonies and you know sure. make a way for you you betcha and your water source is do you have a spring we have springs and river whoa man so uh we're on the smith river that beautiful river we which, saw in the video right yeah it's uh considered the right now the cleanest uh undammed river in the united states and continental united states is that right and it's wow. it's phenomenal when you go right down our little like when you saw that little house perched up mm-hmm. on the you know when you're looking at the drone footage there uh that's uh the little cabin right there we have on the property and uh you know our, i don't think it showed our main house but just right down the embankment is a river, and we have these amazing swimming holes. You know, they're 25 feet deep, and they're big trout 
you know, and swimming around. And it's ice cold all year round because a lot of it actually comes subterranean. And the uh, the area here, we've got a confluence of three mountain ranges. Wow. And it, it makes it very rugged territory. There's uh, areas here, wilderness, where nobody ever goes or probably has ever been. Uh, you know, when you get up in the high country, you've got alpine lakes and everything. But we actually have some uh, proximity. We're a ways away from the coach, the coast. But uh, if you follow the river downstream, it'll go through all the redwood parks and, and eventually out to the ocean about an hour away. So you have to get up a narrow river canyon. So when you're up here, it feels mountainous, but you have a, a, a more of a proximity to the coast uh -huh. at the same time. But um, yeah, it's a great area. And you see creatures here that are very unique that you don't see anywhere else because there's never been any development for miles and miles and miles. They can't develop it. It's just too rugged. What kind of creatures? <laughs> well, uh, of course, you'll always hear everybody has a Bigfoot story. Yeah. But uh, there are larger creatures. Uh, you know, we've got bear, elk, deer, a lot of lions. Um, you see black panthers every so often. Wow. Um, You'll see things like giant salamanders that you won't see anywhere else in the world. You know, they're, you can go out here at night in, in the farm and you'll see, you know, they're about a foot long and they have a, a whole different markings in those uh, little orange uh, and brown kind of small salamanders. And then there are uh, lakes up in the high country where people that know how to get up in those, they'll see salamanders that are six, seven feet long Ooh, up there. Really? Yeah, That's just just kind of crazy stuff hmm. uh you'll see cats they're considered cats but they look more like a cross between a monkey and a cat and you'll see those bouncing around in the trees we've got a bald eagle nest right up here i can see out my window and and they live up there and and you'll see uh you know literal flocks of bald eagles circling and so wildlife is, is amazing here and then plant life is very unique. Uh, we wildcraft for um, mushrooms all the time, just about every mushroom variety, uh, herbs, uh, you know, in the surrounding area. And then our uh, our signature herb that we uh, grow at the um, farm here is Gulan, also called Gynostema. But Gulan is, uh, you know, big in Asian medicine and considered a superior adaptogen better than ginseng or or any of the ones that are more popular out there. Yeah, and you put a lot of the, that's in a lot of your teas that I have, right, the Jiao Gulan. Yeah, it's a, it's a core ingredient in, in all the teas. In all the teas that you make. Wow. Uh, Bear Paul Lando is with us. Here's an email for you. Thanks for having Bear back on. I really enjoy when he comes on. Can you please ask if he could kind of share some insights, tips, on the building and of conversion to a more positive, natural, healing, high-frequency home dwellings like um, directions, off-the-grid, free energy, building materials. So you got some sources people can kind of look at when they want to kind of do a little bit with what, what, what you're doing in that direction. Um, off the top of my head, uh, I would say the one source is our website, which uh, we've got a regular website now, but we're going to a private membership website. And in the membership section, there's going to be all those kinds of resources. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, we've been doing this for about 50 years. So it's, uh, 
you know, we don't like read one book <laughs> or have any books off the top of my head right now, you know, that, that are the go-to. We've just learned through experience. And we're also doing different kinds of architecture here. I'm going to put up a sound studio pretty soon. That's going to be all natural materials, hmm. uh, you know, and also designed for acoustics. But uh, the geometry will be as such that you'd want to, you know, live in it. Uh, it's, uh, you know, follows the principles of biogeometry and the old uh, Indian system of sacred architecture. Uh, that the proportions and materials are such that it creates a frequency that's very high in, in what we call in biogeometry BG3, um, you know, which is the golden mean energy uh, mathematically 1.6. So uh, when now I'm in uh, you know, my house here, it's not built according to sacred geometry, but it is all natural materials. But what I do uh, do is I take biogeometry and create uh, an abundance of BG3 by the way everything is placed, the type of materials, the orientation of everything from furniture to windows placed in certain uh, spots. Wow. So with the science of biogeometry, you can do all that. In fact, you can go into any house, even in the city, and uh, make it more impervious to all the Wi-Fi and, and that sort of thing, but also uh, create an abundance of this golden mean energy that is going to overwhelm any of the noxious stuff that you find in most homes, especially in urban environments. So you can do that just with the geometry, building materials and such. Yes, wow. yes. So I would, so maybe to answer that uh, individual's question, I would say go check out biogeometry. They even have introductory courses that allow you to uh, learn these things that you can do in your own home no matter what kind of home or materials you start with in the first place but you know always best if you can build with non-toxic material and then if you can go to the next level and actually create the geometric proportions that uh, make your home uh, a literal healing chamber uh, you know that regenerates uh, you know rather than otherwise then you know of course that's amazing yeah. that's what we're doing here now in the whole Alpha Vedic project is about creating prototypes for all those things. That's so cool. Jimmy wants to know, I've read a lot about red light therapy. Does Bear think it's beneficial for various organs of the whole body? And if so, what frequency would I want to purchase? I guess you can get lights with different frequencies, right? Would you do mm -hmm. the whole, like, um, chicken lamps you get at the Home Depot, or would you get a light with a particular frequency? I would get the lights with a particular frequency. Now, there are companies that put out red light therapy yes. devices that are already designed to do that. Now, I haven't uh, had a lot of experience personally with those, but I hear a lot of good things. Now, there's substances that are becoming popular now that you can take in ethylene blue. And when you take that, uh, which, you know, helps you really create more of an abundance of ATP and body energy and do a lot of other good things. In conjunction with red light therapy, people are getting uh, really good, hmm. really good effects. What I had in my clinic days, you know, we had an international clinic and we saw people from all over the world and we uh, only took very difficult cases. And uh, hmm. we had a sound light room in that clinic. So people would come first, we'd analyze them by their voice, the tonal qualities of their voice, and then we had technologies 
that uh, would provide proper tones to bring them into balance. But then I did that in conjunction with acupuncture and uh, table layouts where the the tones would go through the grid and then they go through, you know, the actual acupuncture placements. And then over it, we had different sound uh, and light frequencies uh, that would project through uh, and create geometric forms. So uh, long story short, it created a combination of all these factors that we could customize to create a specific effect that that person needed. And it would really create an amazing impact that would, uh, you know, be a catalyst to help all the bioterrain uh, medicine, everything else we did work. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, that's great. Yeah, I think there's a couple of websites that I know I purchased a lamp. I think it's called Red Light Man or something. And it's these really mm-hmm. nice, beautiful little lights at different frequencies, you know, 600 mm-hmm. or so hertz, I think, is one that I've used. Um, Paul is in the UK. Say hi to the Queen, Mom. Hi, Queen. How... Just kidding. How would you treat? I think she's 112, and she doesn't tell anybody she's that old. How would you treat? <laughs> how would you treat glaucoma? I'm interested in homeopathy and any other treatments. Uh, first off, what's your understanding, physiologically wise or spiritually, what glaucoma is about, Bear? So, what we really need to do is appreciate that every organ, and especially sense organs, have two polarities. And the health of those organs and sense organs um, require a balance between those two polarities. When we aren't uh, using them in a balance and unified action, not only do we shortchange ourselves as far as the data that we can perceive through that sensory organ, but it's also going to create all the maladies that we can come up with or Mm. possibly think of. So there's two polarities in the eyeball, for instance. Uh, you have the neurological pole, which is receptive. It's just incoming data, and it registers in our nervous system. Neurotransmitters, uh, you know, with the aid of neurotransmitters and in neurology, it deciphers that information. The other pole that most of us lose, uh, you know, beyond being a toddler, is that more projection pole. It's the metabolic pole, we call it, in anthroposophic medicine. And that metabolic pull is taking your imagination, which is your true creative uh, abilities, you know, what we're here to do in the first place, and projecting that out. And then in a balanced fashion, as far as incoming and what you're projecting out, then not only can you perceive things that most people aren't picking up with their eyesight, but you're also going to be creating manifestation just through your sight. Hmm. Now, when those poles are out of balance because you're using one in particular at the expense of the other, then that is going to create distortions that can create pressure buildups that we call glaucoma, create macular degeneration, it'll create astigmatism, nearsightedness, farsightedness. Depending on the particular qualities and inclinations of that individual, it's going to create all the above. But if you want to simplify it, and just understand that if you go and do your inner practices, get back in touch with those, um, you know, abilities to project and manifest through your eyes and balance it out rather than just being receptive and operating just on the neurological pole, then things get a lot better. And the neurological pole, it's like the yin and the yang, you know, in, the, in Chinese medicine, you have the shen and the ko cycle. Mm-hmm. One is kind of breaks things down, the other regenerates. Well, the neurological pole, 
because it creates neurotransmitters in order to work through the neurology to do whatever it needs to do, uh, those substances break down. So it's actually the co-cycle in Chinese medicine. It's it's a degenerative effect. Now, that's not bad if you have uh, equal measure of the regenerative side. That's the metabolic pole, the projection uh, facility that we have through our eyeballs. And that is going to keep the eyes from breaking down and degenerating. And it's the same of every single organ in our body. So there are ways medically, you know, uh, where I could take 100 glaucoma, glaucoma people, uh, treat each one of them different. Uh, because everybody got there in a slightly different way or in a radically different way. But um, just if you start with that fundamental understanding about bringing balance, just like in Chinese medicine between Shen Ko, then, uh, you know, that's that's the place where you have to start. Then the more clever you are at customizing and, and understanding how they that individual got there in the first place, then you're not treating glaucoma because in bioterrain medicine, you don't treat a condition you treat the environment, you treat the treat the ecology, uh, you treat the psyche of that individual that's putting all those things into effect in the first place. Well, Bear Paul Lando, and if you have an email uh, question, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com, or you can call. Uh, Julie wants to know, does Bear think that we can cure a particular issue in our body with just herbs and such without dealing in the spiritual realm that you and Patrick were talking about at the beginning of the show? And it's a good question. It's a good question, Julie. It's an amazing question. Yeah, it's great. And um, I am of the bias that there's nothing externally to cure us, nor <laughs> is there anything to cure in the first place. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um so let me explain that. Okay. Uh, there is nothing to cure because, of course, we're talking about uh, pathology. Pathologies don't exist. There's only imbalances and deficiencies. Hmm. And okay. when we understand how to take care of those, then things take care of themselves. You know, the terrain is back into a regenerative state. Mm hmm. Um, then on the other hand, if you are taking herbs and things, you have to understand they can be very helpful mm -hmm. if you know how they work. They're going to work better when you are using them as a source for universal patterns that will balance out the imbalances in your own self and that the only way those can work is if your consciousness uh, has a um, cooperative relationship with them and is not looking at them to fix you. Wow. So as soon as we go into the state of mind that something is going to fix me, then we're divorcing ourselves from the only thing that can fix us, which is ourselves. So if you want to use those as supports, whether it's a doctor, whether it's an herb, a nutrient, those can be helpful. But what you're really talking about is another toroidal field and mixing them and matching those toroidal fields, whether the toroidal field is from an herb, a doctor, or so forth, a homeopathic remedy uh, to create balance and understanding that it is your consciousness, it is your source, 
that is the only thing that's going to curing and you're intelligently incorporating parts of your reality in order to facilitate your own spirit well, that's beautifully but said so with that something outside that state of consciousness need to be with the practitioner as well as the patient absolutely wow. that's why um yeah. Yeah. have such a I was in emergency medicine for just normal Wait a minute, uh, you, you froze up you froze up a minute so let's start again so start with emergency medicine go ahead yes yeah so with emergency medicine you know there's a time and place for everything at all uh, did I freeze up again? Again, yeah. Hmm. Okay. So they apply crisis intervention to everything. Yes. Rather than understanding how to work with living systems. So um, in the medical process, what they're uh, imagining is that the doctor has the ability to fix somebody else and that that person then becomes passive rather than a proactive participant. And then furthermore, that uh, person has a disease which can't be cured without taking some synth synthetic, uh, you know, drug or something that's going to throw everything out of whack or do some invasive procedure. Yes, sir. Uh, you yes, know, sir. at the expense of, of the whole being. So, um, hmm. yeah, that's that's it. We're uh, nature paths and doctors. You know, we've been kind of seduced into the same state of mind where we look at germs, we look at diseases. And then we just say, well, we're going to cure something with those uh, modalities. Yeah. And all we're doing is becoming green allopaths. You know, maybe it's a little <laughs> less toxic, but we keep people in the same old superstitious box. Wow, green allopath. It's a beautiful, and that's true, isn't it? And I know you're not being critical because they just, yeah, man. So, um, so do you think that just a thought or an idea that, uh, we humans have bought into the idea that anything is going to really fix us. We are just um, setting up a condition in our state of consciousness that that inhibits healing. Just does, doesn't it? Inhibit. Yeah, absolutely. And wow. you're not going to think and grow rich either. You know, it's nope. not just about thoughts. It's about our emotions. Emotions give the velocity to manifestation. So, uh, you can read all the books on self-healing and, you know, and, and know all the ideas, take the right stuff, uh, but if your emotional state is uh, not taken care of, then you're just going to keep recreating the same old thing. And emotions always supersede thoughts once we're programmed. So, uh, you know, imagine you're in a state where something scares you or gives you a start. Mm -hmm. Well, that emotion was way ahead of the thought that said, oh, there's a bear. You know, it's just, just that acts first. So, uh, emotions are, you know, we're emotional beings. And when you get into like the subject of new German medicine, you know, which you and I have talked about, you've had mm -hmm. Dr. Melissa Sell, who's great. Um, you know, that really, uh, um, uh, goes a far way into understanding how those emotional insults to our psyche will trigger neurological events and then biological programs that we mistake as disease. Now there's a whole nother level 
beyond German new medicine, it tells you how all that stuff got there in the first place too. But German new medicine is a great advancement in bioterrain medicine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, as you said, we've talked to Melissa Sell from time to time. Uh, Doc, um, let's see. This is from Doc Frank. I guess he's a doc. Got to get him back on again. Okay, we will. Okay. Um, how do you... <laughs> Uh, this is from um, telephone number. That's all I got. How do you check your voice for illness? My voice is raspy and I have a cough. Check your voice for illness. In Chinese medicine, if you look at the five elements, in the five elements, uh, if you go far back into the original writings of the Shang Han Lun, uh, your t- keynotes. Uh, so... You know, earth is F, uh, wood is A, fire, you know, heart is C sharp, and, and so on and so forth. Water G, uh, a metal G, water D. Hmm. Um, so you're talking about tones. Now, in Chinese medicine, practitioners learn to look at a lot of things, but also you listen to the timbre of somebody's voice. And this might be a little bit beyond what. Uh, the question was about but um, you can really tell a lot about the imbalances on an organ system level by listening to somebody's voice now uh, if a person's voice is raspy you know you can you just go into crude level physiology and and maybe understand how things are affecting the larynx or the bronchioles Uh and Hmm. and that sort of thing too but that's going to bring you back into the five elements as far as you know what you need to do to fix that at the same time uh long ago when i first constructed my sound room for the first time you know uh, as a you know, formally in the, because I stayed it a long time, but when we had the, the, the sound room in our, you know, clinic, I brought in a woman by the name of Sherry Edwards. Oh, yeah, I've heard of her. Yeah. yeah. Now, Sherry Edwards is one of these uh, kind of gifted people that's just born where she could hear tones in people's voices. And she did such remarkable things that the military actually brought her in and studied her. Okay. Uh, and it wasn't a real negative thing because they actually supported her in developing technology uh, that would help uh, ascertain the different tonal qualities in somebody's voice and then help, uh, you know, people without her gift, uh, um, you know, provide the missing tone that could really help that individual. And in fact, I had some of that technology as part of my sound room. So uh, hmm. there's a lot of great sound work uh, on, you know, the tuning forks uh, are a fantastic way for people uh, to, in a general way, um, you know, treat themselves as far as uh, just general frequencies, Schumann frequency, Fibonacci frequencies, and so forth. Uh, and then in the uh, hands of a skilled practitioner, I, I uh, went away from needles a long time ago. I just used tuning forks. Use tuning forks. So, hmm. yeah. So the tuning forks I use in, you know, I use more the pentonic Chinese scale, which are the actual keynotes. But then uh, the keynotes, just like all the elements in nature, uh, don't have the harmonics. Uh, because the harmonics are on that astral level, that emotional level that we're talking about. Mm. So you have to have a way to interject into the body the acoustics that have the harmonics, which are the um, 
the the uh, sound or even the inaudible sign sound uh, between the keynotes. And so in acupuncture, I would you know do my diagnosis and then figure out which keynotes that are based on the five elements and use the uh, meridian points, which are like portals, to uh, deliver those acoustics in on those other layers. But then I would always do it in chords. So, for instance, if a person needed an energy sedated, mm-hmm. then I would create a chord with two tuning forks at the same time that would create a, a, a harmonic third. Or if I want to stimulate, I'd create a harmonic fifth. So now you're getting that information that's lost in just a single keynote. You're, you know, reproducing the harmonics between the two keynotes with a chord, just that good music, you know, that's why it sounds good. But then you have a way to use the actual acoustic channels of the body to deliver it to the subtle bodies and not just have it audible in the ears. Wow. Eileen McCusick has done a lot of great work with tuning forks. And she's amazing. Yeah. And we on our podcast last week, so we talked all about this. Oh, you, you've, you talked to Eileen recently? Yeah, she, she was our uh, podcast guest last week on AlphaCast. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, it's been years since we've talked to her. Eileen McCusick. So you have taken the whole the needle thing from acupuncture to another level of just a yes, yeah. Mm. And so, where do you put the tuning forks in relation to where you would put the needle? Right there, where the same spot, same spot. Yeah. And you're just putting them right above the spot, or are you actually touching the skin with the tuning forks? You actually touch the skin. Mm, wow. Yeah. Or you can hold it. You can hold it right above. Yeah. Wow. Either way. Yeah. In the beginning was the word, right? The sound. It's all sound. And sound again is all about the water ether, that third level, the the first fixed element above the earth that receives from the air and from the fire. So again, we go back to alchemy and going through the ethers. So the water element is, uh, or that water level, the ether also has to do with oxygen you know if we want to look at it molecularly and it also uh is that um uh, uh an ether that we call numbers and we also call it the sound ether we call it numbers because just like in biogeometry we uh, discovered dr kareem discovered that if you put a certain amount of objects in a group it creates a resonance different than a different number of objects so uh, it, back in ancient times, they understood how to create resonance with numbers of objects. You know, we always talk about numerology and, the, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are really into numbers. Well, the resonance and the effects of numbers aren't in the abstract symbols. They're in the amount that that symbol represents. That's why when I create planting beds and, you know, in that little film clip yeah. you saw from yeah. the... the Mm-hmm. from the air you see all these spirals and if you count all the the numbers of things there they're all specific numbers to create a resonance because that makes the plants the trees grow better and all of this uh energy this sound and light however you want to say it wavelengths are in the kale they're just there they're part yeah. of the, the kale state of consciousness if you will right and kale has all the characteristics of kale because, well, first off, it ha- it's part of a spirit oversoul, 
a real consciousness that is projecting that botanical species into our realm and that consciousness behind that species has a very definite thought <laughs> about what, what it's doing that here. species yeah. is going to be doing, uh, what attributes it has, what it looks like, and what kind of functions and what sort of help it can be to us on the ground because that's what plant species were originally intended to do in the first place. It's almost like God or divine spirit is expressing itself through us and plants and trees and squirrels and bears and dogs. Right. Like here. But different yeah. uh, different than a plant over species like kale. Mm -hmm. All kale's pretty much the same. Yeah. Different you know, different variations, but pretty much the same. Uh, you know, us in a human form, we are uh, not part of a larger oversoul. We are an individualization of consciousness, yeah. which makes us a little bit more special and a little more autonomous than just, uh, you know, uh, some kale growing out in the yard there. Are we special? Does that mean we're special? Well, good. I hope we're special. <laughs> <laughs> they used to say that in Texas. Well, you're really special. <laughs> That's great. Okay, this is from Lance. He's in Escondido, California. You should just get a medal for even living in California, Lance. But here we go. Uh, can you ask Mr. Lando what brand of microscope he would recommend for a golden, uh, a doctor's like a golden retriever beginner wanting to do live blood work, dark field? Do you have some ideas on what he could buy? Golden retriever beginner? I was just... Um I'm setting up a new lab here. You know, our, our present farm is about six years old. We left mm -hmm. our old one because we outgrew it. And so now we're in a bigger, more pristine space. And part of that is I'm creating a microscope lab. Wow. Now, I have my old microscope that I had, God, I don't know how long, 30 years or something. And I'm retiring it. I'm not aware of all the new microscopes that are out in dark field circles, mm -hmm. dark field. but I know they have a lot to be left to be desired. Um, I was talking with Adam Biggleson the other day. Oh yeah. Who is, uh, the Biggleson boys, the yeah. Biggleson they're, brothers. They're great. Aren't uh, they? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, they are very, uh, expertise in live cell microscopy. Mm-hmm. And so he sent me a new, um, some information on a new microscope, which both of us are now uh, attempting to procure funding to get because they're about $70,000. Whoa. But what it's going to allow, I I'm sorry I'm not uh, able to answer the question directly, but right. since you opened that door, um, if, if you know you're in the typical two to six thousand dollar range, just go out on the internet and do the best you can, I guess. But as but that would really wouldn't uh serve me in the kind of work I do. Uh -huh. So, this other microscope that we are going to be getting allows you to do live cell but also phase contrast and also create three dimensional uh pictures out of it. And, a lot of other crazy things, but it also allows you to go into the realm of normie science and, and look at what they look at, you know, the sort of thing I had to learn initially. And it will allow us by uh, being able to have this, the, the mixed technologies in the same scope, 
uh, there's a lot of conjecture about, well, what's this and what do you see here? Uh, what's in the vaccine vials? You know, mm-hmm. well, with this microscope, we're going to be able to go in and just say, well, here's Whoa. what it is. Whoa. Yeah. So it's another whole point. So that's uh, the level of technology that I'm going into and Adam and Josh are going into. Um, yeah. As far as the, the typical dark field stuff that people do you know more lay person uh and a lot of nature paths kind of do that um yeah uh you just have to look around also uh beware aware that a lot of the dark field training uh is really a long ways from the original german bioterrain microscopy and there's a lot of errors in their concepts and interpretations and methodologies and i hear a lot of people you know they say oh i just looked at my blood and they said this and it's like it's really kind of garbage yeah so uh you know it's an amazing tool but like any tool you know you have to got to be in the right you have to be careful who you're listening to huh yeah um we're gonna uh, bear i want to talk to people about sulfur can you hold on a second okay Have you ever tried our sulfur? Dr. Patrick Flanagan has been regarded as one of the most important scientists in the last 50 years. We talked to him about sulfur. There's a product called organic sulfur. And organic sulfur uh, was put into trade in 1865 as organic sulfur. Some people call it MSM or methyl sulfonylmethane, but most of the MSM in health food stores uh, have been contaminated with a kind of silica that prevents its absorption by the body. But anyway, what happens is that if you take a, a, a tablespoon of MSM and uh, of the organic sulfur in hot water in the morning and a tablespoon in the afternoon, uh, it, ca- it sulfates 192 different compounds, uh, heavy metals from the periodic table, and and once it sulfates them, I'm talking about radioactive elements and other things. Once it sulfates them, uh, these uh, sulfates cannot stay in the uh, human body for more than 12 hours. And what Dr. Flanagan just mentioned is one of the key reasons why our sulfur is different from most out there, Amazon, no matter where you go, because it's pure. Click and order, front page, oneradionetwork.com. Would you like a discount? Just email me, four pounds or more, a discount. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Otherwise, two pound orders, United States, Canada, worldwide, three prices. Click and order, oneradionetwork.com. Oh, that's me, Patrick, oneradionetwork.com. Yeah, you can get more than, we. it's really a good product. It's a nice product. I, I like to take it every day. Not, with, not that what I do matter, but, you know, we've talked uh, quite a bit with Stephanie Seneff, uh, uh MIT on the whole glyphosate sulfur uh, dysregulation. So I think it's a good thing to take and a reasonable. And hair, skin, and nails. Your nails just get like like little rockies, you know, little rockies. Uh, so try it. I, I think you'll really you'll really enjoy it. One of the um, the the technologies other than the hydrogen that we like to do regularly in sulfur is um, take an infrared sauna. And we've been promoting this sauna here. It's a personal guy, and you just sit in it. You can see the picture here if you're on video. 
beyond audio, just go to our website. You sit in here. I've never done the reading thing with little holes. That looks interesting. I like to just talk to God when I'm in mine every night before bed, then jump in a cold shower, do a little Wim Hof thing. Yow! That's fun. But uh, these are nice units. They're made in Taiwan at a medical university. They've, all, they've, uh, they've won several awards for their technology. So it's just not another infrared sauna. They've really done some whoop-de-doops with their, and that's a technical term, with the technology of this infrared sauna. As I said, they've won a few awards, if you're into awards. But it's a very nice one, very quiet, extremely low electromagnetic fields. They've got some magnetic energy uh, from the ground to the bottom of the chair. So I just sit in a lotus thing. But even if your legs are down in the magnetic thing, it's not good. I mean, it, you get the same thing driving in a car so or standing next to your refrigerator. So I w- don't worry about it. But um, it's a really good price. Uh, the price that we offer is twelve ninety-five delivered in lower forty-eight. For those of you who live in Oregon, uh, that means uh, just kidding. That means just uh, uh, not Alaska or Hawaii. We ship them all over the world. Canada. We have a lot of Canadian listeners, and we can get one to you at fourteen ninety-five delivered to you in the great country of Canada that's uh, going through some growing pains. But you know, everybody's working through it. So there you have it, 1295 Tax Title License, OneRadioNetwork.com. Just email me. The only way to get the price is to email me, OneRadioNetwork.com. That's it. That's it. That's it. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. With Dr. Bear, Paul Lando, AlphaVedic.com. Tell folks... Uh, let me put up your, your site so they can see your website. Tell folks about all the products that you have. Give yourself a little plug there. you got a lot of great products. Sure. You know, um, I like a lot of your products, and I, I agree with everything Dr. Flanagan was saying about the sulfur. Oh, yeah. It's a good idea to take that. Uh, also, I still want to get that hydrogen machine from you. I've been buying new lab equipment lately. So <laughs> good. I let me know. Yeah. But the hydrogen's on the top of my list. I really want to get that. Uh, so our products, you know, we aren't a, um, uh, a symptom specific, uh, you know, type of product line. Uh-huh. Uh, what they are is they're whole food derived. Uh, they're very expensively manufactured in small volume. Uh, a lot of the products have things we actually grow here on the farm. Mm. I have um, uh, things that are very useful. Uh, for people that are, you know, interested in getting all the things we're inundated uh, these days out of their body, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just with the chemtrailing and everything else. So I, I, you know, that typically a long time ago we didn't have to do that sort of thing, but I think these days we really have to understand. Look, they're throwing the kitchens; <laughs> we have yeah. to deal with it. So we do have a lot of products that help you deal with that, but we, but they're designed, uh, you know, again to be in a intense so they can't throw you out of balance and they'll actually create regeneration uh, versus just dredging things out of you which can create imbalances so uh, we have all those we have the T line and uh, in my alchemy lab which is a very sophisticated chemistry lab uh, I will be making a lot of things in there that will be available to members only Uh, they're not really suitable for the general public uh, but yeah, just general nutrition, yeah. good yeah. stuff, and 
you know, there's quite a bit there, actually. I, I generally do not join any club that would allow me to be in the club, but, <laughs> but as Woody Allen said, but I want to join you when you do that thing, because that'll be fun. Uh, Bear Paul Lando is with us. Good stuff. And his teas, poo, poo, pew. If you like green tea, boy, you've got the, the Dalai Lama of teas. You really do. I love them. I've got about five or six of them. I just, I just think they're terrific. So, um, so when you get this magical, you're raising funds to get this magical seventy thousand dollar telescope. Could you um, borrow a body that supposedly, allegedly died from COVID? and dig around in there and find some kind of virus with this microscope and say, there it is? Could you do that? No, because viruses don't exist. <laughs> there you go again. You I just can't get you there. You don't even want to go. Viruses don't exist. Now, you and many other people are talking about this. You know, the Lankas of the world, Cowan, Kaufman, Sells, Vollmer, uh, 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 Robert O. Young, he's on it, and... I don't know. Do you know uh, Mike uh, Mike Stone? Do you know Mike Stone? He's he's cool. You know him? Uh, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, he's a kitchen sink virologist, but boy, he'll curl your hair when he starts talking about this. But viruses don't exist. I know we get new people all around the world all the time. They find us on UB2B or somewhere. Well, we're not on there anymore. Talk about that. I mean, how is that even possible? I mean, the entire medical community is selling the idea that viruses and bacteria are making us sick and you need to get a vaccine or an antibiotic, otherwise you're going to die. I mean, that's what they do. What's up with that? I mean, talk to folks like that and tell them why you believe what you believe. Uh, The first thing I'd recommend is people wash uh, terrain part one and part two. Yes. It was produced by Andy Kaufman, which he's a good friend, and, and filmed by documentary, award-winning documentary uh, maker, uh, Marcy Kravitz, who's also a good friend of ours. I've uh, been up here a lot. And uh, I happen to be in both of those, so I give uh, you know my two bits worth. So here's where I come from. You know, in that movie, you'll see... Andy and Tom Cowan and and all the Stefan Lanka who come at it uh, very sound, grounded, and academic, all their rationales, and pretty much uh, just leave it a moot point as far as do they exist or not. We're getting a little we're getting a little delay again. Uh, the last words okay. you said were whether it exists or not. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, boy, that's a long time ago, I think. <laughs> no, no, just the, <laughs> uh, you were saying the Cowan and the rest of them, they're looking them from oh, a... Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so as a bioterrain physician, uh, I practice functional medicine. As an example, in the uh, early to mid-80s, we had the whole AIDS thing going on, which mm-hmm. also starred Dr. Fauci, right? And um, so I didn't know what I know now back then, but I had all these AIDS people. Um, I had other people with so-called viral induced conditions, you know, hep C and, you know, Epstein-Barr, you know, you name it. Right. But let's just talk about AIDS. So I would practice bioterrain medicine, restore the ecology, and sure enough, 
most of them started making improvements. But then when I um, figured out that their medicines were actually making them sick, when I figured out that the original backs of AIDS patients were created by things purposely downloaded in HEP um, B vaccines mm. targeting the gay populations on the East and West Coast, and also populations in villages in Africa under the auspices of a smallpox vaccine, I realized, okay, there's definitely something up with that. And then when uh, people, uh, you know, when we do education, we never tell people what to do, but then they elected to maybe go off their AIDS cocktails, you know, uh, brought to them by Dr. Fauci, then they regained the rest of their health and then the biotrain medicine worked even better. So, if you have a deadly virus creating something like AIDS, but then people get better with the things we did and the things we used to eliminate, then you realize the etiology of AIDS probably isn't a virus. Now, along the way, too, I also did in-house labs every visit on everybody I ever saw. And I did them myself because they're labs that you can't order in a hospital. I won't talk about the whole thing because it, it takes molecular findings, it, chemical findings in bodily fluids, but then extrapolates them into electrical uh, equations, mathematical equations, and then helps you treat the body electrically rather than chemistry. It's a different story. Mm -hmm. One of the things I had to visualize in everybody during that test, though, is cell debris. <clears throat> now, cell debris is simply broken down cells that are being eliminated. When the cell debris was of a certain level, <clears throat> it obviously tells you that there's cells breaking down in, an or in you know, quicker than the body's making new ones. Mm -hmm. And so, whenever that happened, uh, I was able to observe over many years that certain bodily processes and labs assays would actually reveal certain things. And what it led me to understand that those broken down cell debris were then carried all over the body. You know, they had DNA material and other uh, chemical messengers in there. They would stimulate live cells. So, they'd actually conjugate with live cells. And those live cells would then start making stem cells, interleukin, cytokines, you know, all the things that, uh, you know, uh, initiate the whole regenerative cycle. It would create the manufacture of uh, exosomes, uh, things that Andy Kaufman talks about, you know, things that are uh, mistaken for virus because they are you know, could fit the criteria of what we, th the medical people theorize as virus. Uh, the cells debris, you know, if you just understand that you have cellular material from dead cells, DNA conjugating with live cells, well, that's kind of what a virus is supposed to do. Um, when you look at antibodies, those antibodies are not little things that are just, uh, you know, manufactured in the body to um, create uh you know, uh, a, a bullet to go attack a germ, those were always a byproduct of this cell debris informing the live cells uh, what they had to do to regenerate the body. So, even antibodies aren't properly understood, but all of these antibodies, uh, certain things from the mitochondria of the cells, uh, the cell debris, the exosomes, are the things that are now mistaken for virus, but are actually a separate entity existing in nature as a virus. I was able to experience that 
firsthand in a functional way because when I interpreted those findings in that way and then worked with them within biotrain uh, medicine principles, people got better. Hmm. Also, I found that you could take somebody with hep C, you know, uh, which is a virus that supposedly causes liver problems, and then we treat people, their liver and their health would improve and, you know, a lot of times get completely better, but then you still have high time of alleged hep C virus. So, in those situations, uh, you know, and a lot of viral um, tests were always based on antibodies, like HIV, um, you know, which is positive not for a HIV was, yeah. and not anything yeah. that causes AIDS. Right. Uh, so you realize sometimes those titers go away, sometimes they don't, sometimes mm -hmm. they might even increase for a while. Mm -hmm. So you realize there's no causative link between those two things. So the majority of viral tests based on antibody tests, you have to throw them out the window when you practice functional medicine for a good deal of time. And then, you know, now we're into all this PCR nonsense and everything, which is even stupider. So it's uh, even worse than what it so, was in the eighty in the eighties on the on the AIDS thing. The PCR well, yeah, is PC even more I, I mean it's even yeah. more far fetched. Wow. At least with the alleged antibodies you could learn certain things as far as why those antibodies were mm -hmm. present and sometimes it could be useful even though it didn't really um, tell you that there's a disease that was caused by something that the antibody was supposedly fighting mm. um, but the PCR has nothing to do with anything yeah it's, it's ridiculous so so stay with the age thing so they were essentially giving people, especially the gay community, a test which said you had AIDS virus, which wasn't true, and then they gave them a lot of uh, drugs that were essentially killing them. I mean, is that that's the short story, yeah. is it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, initially, again, it was induced by elements within vaccines, mm -hmm. specifically smallpox and hepatitis. Wow. That would initiate the breakdown of you know, the body internally where people would just start getting multiple cancers and things, which we then came to recognize or, you know, to fit the criteria of an AIDS syndrome. Hmm. And then, of course, we need a boogeyman. You always need to find weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. And so in this case, oh, virus and I'm it's virus. HIV. You I'm know, virus. never mind it. Never mind that a lot of pregnant women, you know, have raised titers of that. Uh, material that right. then we you know, attribute to a virus and, and all sorts of other circumstances when people are under stress all sorts of times and there's no causative link between the two but they make the link because they always have to have something to blame it on and then something that they can then patent and say this is gonna you know protect you from the virus or something right which is then which is what the whole COVID thing was about too it was a COVID virus and and now they're running with uh, variants and subvariants and super subvariants, and and it's all made up, isn't it? And now we've got monkeypox. A monkeypox too. Didn't even ask you about that one. The WHO just compared, uh, um, said that uh, it's a monkeypox is a worldwide emergency. Do you know that? So be on the oh, lookout. I know. Be on the lookout for I'm it. I'm getting, I'm getting my shots. I'm, I'm going to get mine too. 
We had a we had a great fellow a gentleman on uh, from the great state of Oklahoma, Dr. Mark Sherwood, yesterday, and uh, he talked a lot about this. How there are governors like DeSantis and uh, in Oklahoma and Tennessee that are just telling the WHO, no, you guys don't have any authority over us. We don't believe you. We don't trust you. Leave us alone. This is where we're going, baby. You know, I think the states are just going to say, no, it's okay. We're good. I'm good. (laughs) Why would you possibly trust a company that, first of all, owns half of, uh, you know, the the bureaucratic class and then makes themselves immune to any liability and then makes, you know, billions of dollars a day off this stuff, you know, no, uh, no conflict of interest there, of course. (laughs) And then of course you, uh, look at some of these guys and they just have all these interesting connections to the old Royal society and the huge. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. DeSantis down in Florida doing speeches saying, you know, I don't want you even near our state, WHO. Leave us alone. Just leave us alone. We're good. <laughs> he froze up again. Okay. He froze so, up again. Uh, I, I would, yeah. yeah, I was just saying that, you know, all these vested interests that, uh, you know, are immune from liability and, and, and making billions a day, probably per hour, um, they also have, uh, you know, bloodline ties to the old eugenicist families and the Royal Society and so forth that think that they have a right to kill everybody. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Ter- there might be something to look at there. Terrell writes in, he is in, oh, he's actually in Tulsa, in the great state of Oklahoma. We are just talking about you. Terrell wants to know, I've been following Patrick and he since he's been a flat earther, and I know he's crazy, but I'm beginning to think he could be onto something. Could your guest <laughs> tell us where would this stationary Earth be if it's not floating in space? And that is really a good question, Terrell. I mean, I've asked myself that. Well, okay, so is it just a state of consciousness? Is it just... It just exists because it does, and it's not anywhere that we can put our finger on. What do you think? I mean, where is it? Where are we? Well, I where yeah, we? I think the question. <laughs> it's a good question. It's a, question. Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Um, I think the real question is where does consciousness reside? Where does consciousness reside? It's uh, you know, and of course, uh, old school folks would say it's everywhere. Yeah. There's no, there's no location, there's no specific point, but when consciousness creates a thought form, then that creates a coordinate that is going to create the illusion of time, space, and location. Matter, energy, so, time, and space. So it creates that thing we call physical reality. It creates it. Yeah, and so if you look at our realm... Hmm. whatever shape you think it is, it is, who cares, really? <laughs> I know the flat earthers get pissed off if you say it doesn't matter, but I think it's more um, important to understand how things function mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because when you understand how things function and we live in a functional realm, I'm pretty convinced, mm-hmm. then that answers a lot of questions that you're really not even going to entertain uh, if you're just arguing about if it's round, uh, round flat or flat. Otherwise. So what do you mean how things function? Talk to the flat earthers and give your, give your uh, argument what they could look at rather than just being a flat earther. Okay, 
we see it as a functional realm, and if mm -hmm. we get into some of the concepts we've been talking about today, mm -hmm. we realize that everything's a toroidal field. Toroidal. Uh, Explain I, what that means. What does that mean, toroidal? Again, a toroidal field is electrical forces uh, that are going in two different directions. And if you've ever seen these animations of toroidal fields right. on YouTube or whatever, you see it looks like this floating donut, you know, where you've got things going in and then circulating and it just keeps regenerating itself. Well, if you look at the waveforms that create matter in the first place, matter, or the illusion of matter is by thought compressing data you know we're looking at a computer screen right now there's you know i'm pretty convinced you aren't inside this screen somewhere there's just data oh come that's on being i'm in there in can't you see me i'm here <laughs> can't you see me <laughs> so you know this data is being compressed so that we can see and talk to each other right uh same thing in troidal field it's it's called the compression of data it creates a, a conical kind of affair that goes down mm -hmm. it also creates the illusion of uh time and space because it stratifies the way it goes through the ethers and then simultaneously it's decompressing and radiating so that the next frame of the movie can be projected you know you can't just freeze on one frame there uh, you know, when you're watching a film, it's got to keep moving. So you got to have compression and radiation. That's uh, basic principles of waveform mechanics. Now, uh, that dual simultaneous self-canceling cycle is a toroidal field. Okay. Every cell of our body is a toroidal field. The realm, if you look at hermetic principles as above, so below, and if you just understand basic real science, how could our realm be anything but a toroidal field? How can anything be an exception to that? So it would be pretty far-fetched to think otherwise. So now you're looking at a toroidal field and that interject all the other things we're talking about as far as different levels of ether, hmm. how manifestation occurs, how we have a place in that. Now, functionally, that's of great value. I can use that information I can go test my soil out in the farm here, and within uh, that context, I can understand the electrical uh, resistance in the soil and make my plants grow by working with those vectors. I can apply it to medicine uh, and do the same thing. I can take uh, some of that sulfur that you know you were showing from mm -hmm. Dr. Flanagan. Mm -hmm. I can go in my lab and I can create a salt of the sulfur, a sulfur of the sulfur, and a mercury of the sulfur, and, you know, create a sulfur that's going to energetically have sulfur work on all the three attributes three. of your being in a very powerful way. That's pretty cool. That's good, it's good stuff to know. Yeah. That's real science. Right, right. Um, so that's functional. That's why I say functional medicine. And that's why if you look at the realm as a functional technology, now you can understand how to have a good time in it, not blow yourself up, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and move the ball downfield. Maybe succeeding generations will actually start getting smarter. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wonder, do you, are you of a mind of a, the flat earthers talk about a, a firmament kind of thing? Do you think that's, do you think that's going on? And uh, so then I wonder if you could fly, how high do you think that firmament is? Do we know? 100 miles? What do you think? 
Do we know? I don't know Jordan. those numbers. I don't a lot of the flat earthers like Santos, but not. He's going to be on like next that. week They're, again, Santos. He's out of control. Yeah. I love him. He's great. Yeah. 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 Those guys are great for the little factoids. You know, yeah. I my mind works a little bit differently. I just, you know, I can do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder, what do you think then if you flew all the way up to the, to the, uh, to the firmament, however high it is, and took a picture, I wonder what it would look like down there. Okay. You froze up again. Hold on a second. He's froze up. Uh, Bear Paul Lando is with us, alphavedic.com, and he's on a satellite okay. there. Yeah, you froze up again. So I think you should yeah, probably maybe take a look at your little location of your dish from Elon, and maybe, maybe you're just getting interfered every now and then, because it shouldn't do that, right? Because I think your upload and download is pretty fast, but it has been freezing. Yeah, it is. So, it is. And also, there's in the mountains south of us, I guess there's some fires. So we have just a little haze in the year. Oh, I don't know if that's doing anything today. I don't know. I don't know. If the, if the helium balloons can't uh, navigate <laughs> okay. through that, I don't so know. We were talking about what you would see. Is that where we got interrupted? What you would see? Yeah, I have uh, some subjective uh, experience okay. as well. You know, when I was doing my pilot's license, our instructor, you know, made me. Uh, cover up the instruments so i just had to fly on horizon yes sir so i spent hours and hours up there just flying by horizon only and we're pretty far up and it sure all looked flat to me <laughs> but you know again i can't prove that i didn't see any art not you, by a long and shot and you didn't have to dip your nose down or up or whatever <laughs> to allow for the curve to stay level did you i mean i've talked so to pilots and they go so across the whole ocean off. Yeah, they go across the whole yeah. ocean, and they don't tip down. And, you know, according to NASA's numbers, you'd have to keep constantly moving down if the Earth was curved, right? Yeah, and military artillery doesn't account for curvature. No, does not, does not. So I'm just going to have to learn how to be a little bit better soul traveler, and I'm going to get up to that, you know, up to the firmament and really see what, what what's going on up there. You know, that's it. But... So, but it's a, it's pretty clear that whatever shape the Earth is in, and I like your your idea that it really doesn't matter, but we can pretty much be assured that it's not spinning around the sun. We know that, right? I mean, it just isn't, is it? Can't be. I uh, guess I don't see it myself. And then you know, when you look at constellations above, certain things stay fixed the whole time. Stars, uh, you know, always, around, right? Yeah, yeah. It just seems like uh, things are moving around us. And then uh, the other thing is when you look at so-called physical planets. Yes, sir. Uh, there's nothing physical about them. I know, they're, I know. There's nothing physical about them. <laughs> they're plasma that are projecting rays, resonance. So then when you get into the old uh, teachings of seven-ray astrology wow. and, uh, you know, understand how those constellations are beaming down resonance that then inorganic elements on the ground act as capacitors bring that residence down to the carbon level the ether which is where we hang out allegedly um you know then you see how the realm is interconnected and in the uh context of a functional realm it's uh it's a projector affair up there 
And when you get into other teachings that have been around a real long time, uh, those so-called plasma energies are living consciousness yeah. themselves. And if you get into, you know, uh, interpret the Bible as astrotheology, which is what it is, then you see the, you know, the references to the seven builders upon the throne. Hmm. Uh, you know, the seven Elohim, who are the builders of this system of worlds, living uh, cosmic consciousness, that then in a unified fashion project their individual attributes that then filter through the 12 constellations and then come down through the levels of ether to create physical manifestation. And uh, even Steiner talked about that. I mean, he knew the energetics coming from the planets and how the plants integrated with that and how we did. And, uh, and many people really believe that the moon is not solid. They never walked on it. It's a plasma and an energetic, and it's a soul, just like we are, right? And it's here to help us. And it's, it's here to help And us. it's related to the water level of the ether. The water level of the ether. Explain what Which you mean by that. Which is one of the, the four elements, you know, the, <sighs> the fire, air, water, and terra firma here. Hmm. So those are the four elements, earth. And we were talking about water being the first fixed element. You know, the first two elements, fire and air, they're volatile. That means they're not in form. Yes, sir. They're very much motion all the time. Mm -hmm. And then those precipitate by way of nitrogen in our atmosphere interacting with oxygen and become the water vapor. And then the water vapor is what we call the first fixed element. The next fixed element is the earth. Every succeeding layer of ether plays on the one below it. And so the water ether is very important to us within this realm because it is the transmitting utility of the volatile elements and all four together, as we already mentioned, combine in different ways to make the salt, the sulfur, hmm. and the mercury, soul, spirit, and body of all components of the three kingdoms of nature. So you go back to a functional realm, you can wrap your mind around how this technology works and then again create some really cool stuff that uh to help that would be useful yeah yeah, yeah. rather than trying to create new weapons or something so the so the kingdoms would then be plant animal and human Are yes those? okay uh no plant mineral and animal and of course uh, humans are loosely part of the animal kingdom yeah. because we're biological. We are like, if uh, out of the three, we're more mercurial, which is because we're more ambulatory. Plants can't get up and walk and fly and do all the things that, you know, members of the animal kingdom can do. Uh, the mineral uh, realm is the most dense, but it's still the same congealed energy, only different proportions of the salt, mercury, and sulfur as compared to the animal kingdom, which is the same thing, only higher in the mercury mm -hmm. uh, portion. We're having fun talking to Bear Paul Lando. We'll let you go to work and have some breakfast, but uh, I want to, I did the easiest question for you before we go. So, so what is your theory of where, how do we created these bodies? Where'd they come from? I mean, uh, 
What do you think? What do you, where, where, where do they come from, and how long have they been around? Some teachings uh, put us uh, mankind on this earth at about four million years. Of course, I don't know. I just you know regurgitate certain things that I read that also seem to be good authentic sources for other information. And in our original state, we were perfect. Uh, no flaws, hmm. uh, no drama or issues. <laughs> and then as we, um, as individual creators got a little bit caught up in our own creations, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, kind of lost sight of things, you know, even the human body at one point did not have to have internal appendages like the liver and so forth because there's no toxicity to filter there's no Whoa. uh need to manufacture proteins and that's cool you know globulins and things so, so, so we created these organs because we needed them uh, necessity yeah. is the mother of invention that's that's yeah, interesting and, yeah and, and originally we didn't have to consume our own environment to survive either so the liver and other organs didn't have to digest and manufacture goodies you know to keep uh -huh. us alive we're just more in our etheric state, and uh, but physical nevertheless. So our present state now is uh, actually a great place to be where we're at, because we've reached the, uh, you know, the bottom of density, and now we're going full circle up in a very slow toroidal fashion oh. of uh, coming back full circle, but in a self-realized way, so that we never have to descend again, and can. Uh, assume our rightful position as co-creators. I like this. So we can blow this popsicle stand if we work at it so we don't have to come back here, right? <laughs> yeah, n no more school of hard knocks. <laughs> you know, I had a soul travel experience years ago where I, I saw something like, this is crazy, it's almost like as the energetics of anger or something where, where souls were coming in and doing this, at the same level there was plants being created at the same time on Earth that would help the liver to detox what soul was doing. Does that make sense? I saw that one time. It was like, whoa, that is, does that make sense to you? Yeah, that, that's great. That's great. Also, um, and I wasn't even on drugs. Like, and I, I didn't take any drugs. <laughs> Sometimes those are the best uh, out-of-body experiences. Yeah, they're great. A little yeah. less distortion. <laughs> you know, uh, you look at the animal kingdom, for mm. instance. We go back to that original time, and we're told there's no animals. And animals came about as the embodiment of our lower emotions. Now, we all love animals. Whoa. Uh, on the other hand, they weren't part of the original design. But when we were still in that powerful creative state, mm -hmm. but started entertaining more of what we consider more the lower emotions, uh, but still uh, more in that uh, ability to instantly manifest our thoughts and feelings, uh -huh. that gave birth to the animal kingdom. So, animals are uh, embodied emotions now they don't have the ability to be malicious and just screw screw with people for the heck of it you know yeah. like people do <laughs> but they still you know embody those kind of lower states of emotions and because of that native americans and other indigenous wolf, folks right. understood the different archetypes within animal animal medicine really represented aspects of ourselves and that knowledge can be used and then 
people that love animals, especially when you domesticate animals, it's a way of freeing those animals from uh, that form that is an embodiment of a lower emotion so that they can return to universal and not have to keep repeating uh, cycles, uh, you know, where they're really abused in this realm in the first Interest. place. So we, just because we were learning our way when we were first here, you're saying that we, then because as we were dealing with these lower emotions that were new to us and we got confused and whatever, um, that we created these animals or these animals were manifested to help us to learn from... I guess no, the, no, not necessarily. No. They were just created by us when we were more in a power state of instant manifestation. Oh, that's weird. Things are moving a little bit slower now. Yeah. But in that state of manifestation, we were entertaining for the first time, uh, you know, emotions more attributed to the lower chakras, and then yeah. you know, solar plexus down, and then those became real form. And then our human form is a matter of geometry that uh, is accord with all the things we've been talking about. And then that geometry creates a, re a resonance, which we can even figure out mathematically as far as why we have five fingers and toes and in the form that we have. And it gets into all the Steiner stuff as far as the yeah. metabolic and neurological pull and all the alchemy. And it all starts to make sense, actually. Yeah. Steiner was probably a semi-flat earther in one sense if he knew that the planets weren't weren't solid. You know? No, no, not necessarily no. so. And there's a lot of debate about that. Is Some it? Steiner people are staunch globe heads. Uh, I interpret Steiner a little bit more between the lines. Okay, um, but you know. Okay, so so I can't let you go yet because we can't have these little bodies how we kind of got here, maybe sorta with your theories, and it sounds right to me, but then what about the good stuff, male and female? Okay, so uh, more to the male and female just other than creating the species, right? I mean, there's some really magical things going on here with boy and girl. Like everything else in existence, how can you not have a polarization if we are, in fact, a product of those same electrical polarized forces? And if you understand the nature of positive versus negative hmm. on the electrical level, mm -hmm. it would explain why girl forms are different than boy forms and why they have the different anatomical structures that they do. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, can it be argued then that this whole thing that started 50, 60, 70 years ago trying to uh, encourage women that what they were they needed to be stronger and women's live and all that stuff was a kind of a more of a darker force trying to cause trouble because that's what they do for a living. Yeah, exactly. And uh, a good part of that was to create a larger you know, pure and simple. How large what? You, 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 you cut out there a second. To create a larger what, sir? Tax base. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Get the women out in the workforce. Oh, I never and thought then, of, of that. of course, yeah. ignoring the fact that, you know, that internal <clears throat> yin principle is uh, stronger than hell. It just manifests itself different than, you know, uh, more the hardness of the outer shell that we attribute to young, but they both have a job. They work, both work in unison. 
but now you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater and one become the other and then we've got 37 genders now and everything else but you know <laughs> I thought it was only I'm 34 gone. I think it's only 34 huh. <laughs> there appears though there's some real potential with a male female uh, on all different levels that could be pretty magical when we can really work with that right am I just a hopeless romantic uh, no, not at all. And in fact, if you go back, uh, you know, into different cultures that understood, you know, like just during sexual relationships, if a man and a woman were really aware, now you can take on that energy through that act and exchange it between each other and then cycle it consciously yeah. through energy pathways in the body. You know, well, rather than the guy just uh, squirting and then sure. lighting up a cigarette and having a roast beef sandwich, you know, <laughs> which is the thing that uh, I hate when that happens. Which is the thing that ages males more than any yeah, other than thing. Any other thing. You know, it's losing right. bodily fluids, and so we should be taught that hey, you don't have to refrain from anything, but you just use it consciously, and then you don't waste. Right. And you recycle, and then when you can recycle with the opposite polarity, that brings balance. And also, the, the Taoists talk about the healing aspects of of that. For oh, amazing. Yeah, amazing, especially for the woman. And, and then you can have more fun because if you're not squirting, as you said, you know, you can just do it all the time if you want. I mean, who knows? What does it matter, you know? And that's why you and I still look so good while we're in our hundreds here. Is that right? Yeah, we're working on the hundreds, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Well, you know, it's, it's a shame we didn't really talk about anything interesting this morning. I mean, come on. I mean, we, <laughs> man, you're really fun to talk to. Thanks so much. We're going to come visit sometime. I look at that and I want to just jump in that. And that river is cold, right? That river's cold? It's cold, but this time of year it's pretty hot, so it yeah. feels real good when you jump in. By the way, we're having a law seminar here in oh. the end of August. Of oh, course, what? you'd be invited to it. What's that? I know it's a long ways from Texas. That's all right. It's uh, the name of the workshop is "I Am the Living Law." Ah. It's uh, it's pretty exclusive. It's for people that have been around the block a little bit more, not for newbies. Right. And um, not trying to be exclusive or anything, but. Um, we have some very special people that are going to be here, and we start from law on a spiritual basis and take you A to Z from, you know, being a, a change of status, not so much in politics, but who you are at a deeper level. Yes, sir. And then moving all the way through on how to conduct your affairs to protect your business, your property. Excellent. Boy. And be in honor with the beast, not be at odds with them, yeah. but keep yourself in the private. I like that, honor with the beast. That's a beautiful way to say it. And that's going to be the end of August in your place? 19, 20, 21 of mm -hmm. August. And uh, so every day we'll have a midday swim break and good food. And we're going to limit it to about 21 people. I think it's already it might already be filled up. But if you ever have a... A hanker but and you, get in the you'd car. You'd let me in if I want to come up, right? Us. Okay. We'd I want, always make us bluff. I'd yeah. love to do that because I studied the Constitution 20 years ago and all about this stuff and taxes and, you know, the straw man and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, so I, I'm really kind of interested in it. And I think we're going to need to get a little creative as long as we're in a physical body of how to deal with 
Yeah. You know, how to have a relationship with the beast without fighting them, you know. Yeah. And just like um, chemistry in my lab, it's about transmutation to from one element to a higher state. So the whole concept is the law, as we've been just in the corporeal body, you know, the salt with no mana, mm-hmm. you know, by way of the straw man and all that business, what we are doing through our processes is understanding how to transmute that energy into living law. How to transmute that energy. And and it is a spiritual law that I've learned with my my path that we are a law unto our, ourselves, right? We are as spiritual beings, and then we get to do whatever we want as long as I can borrow from Richard Mayberry. Um, do all you have agreed to do, his two laws, right? Do all you have agreed to do and do not encroach on other persons or their property, right? Other than that, we, could th- we get to do what we want to do, don't we? We just do. That's why we're calling the workshop I Am the Living Law. I am the living law. I am the living law. Cool, baby. Well, it's such an honor to talk to you. Thanks for so much time. Gosh, we've gone a couple of hours. Can you hold on a second? I want to just check in before we go. You stay right there. Thank you. I love you. Thanks to you. I've not met your wife, but tell her I love her too and your dog. I love. And you're going to get a golden retriever, are you? You thinking? Well, you know, we just lost one uh, oh. dog we had for a long time. It's kind of a heartbreaker. So, you know, we don't want to jump into something else. We're, we're, You're thinking we're exploring. About it. You're exploring. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh, love you. Take care of yourself. You stay right there. Love you a lot. Patrick Timponi, OneRadioNetwork.com. Is he something else or what? Yeah, baby. Uh, Bear Paul Londo, AlphaVedic.com. AlphaVedic.com. So we will see you tomorrow. We're going to talk about money. Oil, gold, politics, Russia, China, with two really, really exceptional people. Jim Rogers, he's in Singapore at 9 o'clock Central Time. And then Matthew Arrett, I believe he's at noon Central Time. And we'll uh, we'll shake it up a little bit. There's some fun things going on with China and Russia. And they're just um, not putting up with a lot of the West anymore. I don't know what... We may need to learn Mandarin or, or Russian or something. Oh, well. We'll, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll have a good time. I love you all very much. Thank you for your support. Appreciate it. Uh, may the blessings be. Take care. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. <laughs>